In the first chapter, first verse, it says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who as to his human nature was a descendant of David and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord. We get the great implication of Easter here out of this few verses. Many people think, perhaps erroneously, that the founders of the major religions have claimed to be God, and in fact they haven't. Abraham and Moses, the founders of Judaism, never once claimed to be God. Muhammad never claimed to be Allah. In fact, the only one that ever claimed to be God was Jesus. He is the only one that ever claimed deity. But we all know that when somebody claims something, that doesn't mean that's what they are. In fact, we tend to be a little more skeptical in these modern times where we would say, prove it. And yet that's exactly what Jesus did. He proved it by what happened. What did he say? He said, if you tear down this temple in reference to his body, that in three days I will raise it up again. It, that's... Oh, come on, I know I put the reference. John 1.19 for, and then he said in Matthew 12:40, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. He was the Son of David. That's the man side of it. He was the Son of God, but the proof in that, you can trace lineage to see Jesus in the line of David. In fact, if you look at the Gospel of Matthew, you have the lineage laid out there. But again, that, all that does is tell you who his great-grandfather was. It was rising from the dead that proved him to be God. There is a reason that so many people saw him in the 40 days after the resurrection. It was so that there was incontrovertible proof that he had risen from the dead. To this day, you can go all over the world. You can go to the place where Muhammad lies. You can go to the place where Lenin lies in the middle of Russia. But you cannot go to the grave of Jesus Christ, for it is empty. And that is the most powerful thing possible. Because that is the one thing that every one of us has in the back of our mind, whether we're in a car on a Friday night on a way somewhere and all of a sudden you're in an accident and you wonder what's going to happen to last night coming down through Thorndike as we were coming back from the church. I couldn't figure out what's going on. There were police cars everywhere. Everything was blocked off because somebody had been in a major accident. And as we drove around, there were all sorts of people because it tends to be one of those things that when somebody has tragedy strike, Everybody comes running. And it was that way for Jesus. When he went to the cross, he was put publicly on display in the most gruesome death possible. 
But the story didn't end on that mountaintop, Golgotha. It did not end there. Because if it had ended there, it would be the story of a great man and nothing more. It would not exist to this day. We would not be sitting here today. The reason we are sitting here today is because Jesus Christ is alive forevermore. That he walks with us and talks with us along life's narrow way. That no longer do we have to go through this life alone. Think about it. If you get lost when you're hiking and you're in the middle of the forest and you're wondering where to go and you come across two rangers, what do you look for? When you look at those rangers, you want to follow the one that can leave and get you out of that place. You want to follow the one that knows the way out. You don't want to spend any more time there. If one of the rangers has a heart attack and dies right there, you're not going to sit around and wait for him. You're going to follow the one that is alive. And that is exactly what happens with Christianity. Is it, Why is it different? Why is my life so much better when I'm a Christian? It starts with the fact that we serve a risen Savior. Amen. And that was the thing that nobody could understand. To this day, people do not understand it, for it is a foolishness to men that we look to a cross, to a symbol of great pain and suffering. But we don't look to a cross with a body on it. We look to a cross that is empty. Because the tomb is empty. It is about life and life eternal. Which brings us to the second gift that we get at Easter. Which is the cancellation of sin. What does the cross mean to me? It means that my debt has been paid. When Jesus says it is finished. It wasn't simply it's over. It was debt paid in full. Cancellation of what you owed. There is not one of us that has a mortgage payment that would ever say, oh, I want to have these payments go on forever. This would just be great. I love giving someone else all my money. It's just fun. Oh, it's awesome. Oh, I wish I could do this till I'm 90. There's not a single person that does it. There's a reason why we have mortgage-burning ceremonies. Because people get happy about it. Oh, thank God I don't have to write the bank one more check. What do we get? We buy life insurance that pays up the dumb mortgage if something happens to us so that we don't leave our loved ones with a debt. We owed the debt of sin. The problem is the wages of sin is death. And that without Jesus Christ there would be only death. And that is exactly what we get out of it because Jesus went to the cross to pay the debt for us. It says in Romans 4, verse 24, For us who believe in Him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. That is the proof that the debt has been paid. That is the proof of life. You see, it's not just enough to have the debt paid. For those that are married, you tend to know this. That you don't get to say, oh, I don't have to pay that bill anymore unless you can show proof that the bill has been paid. It tends to come in the form of a receipt. 
oh, I took care of that, here it is, especially if it's one of the ones you have to walk in. And I imagine all of us are getting hit with our excise taxes right now, where you have that wonderful opportunity to give the municipal government some extra money that you weren't giving to the state or to the federal government. It's a special thing we get to give to everybody right now. Isn't it awesome? April 15th is almost here, and we get to make sure that we're giving everything to everybody so they can all have it. And it was our wonderful little thing going on with Bay State right now. It was so special because it makes things so much more complicated because I had a bill that kept appearing from Bay State. And I'm going, but I have a receipt that says I paid for it. So I'm coming in with the bill and they're saying, no, you owe this money. And I'm saying, no, here's the receipt. I paid this money. And so I had to contact the insurance company. The insurance company was going, I don't know what they're saying. You have paid this bill. It's all done. But I had the bill, and I had the receipt. Nobody could figure it out. I'm, I had kept having to go down to the billing office inside, Mary, um, not Mary Lane, the, uh, the other one, Wing. And so you go down into the billing office. I'm like, please, for the love of Pete, why don't you look this up? Oh, we can't look it up. We just came with a new computer system. Ah! You have no idea. So they said, well, we can't pull it up today. Just call tomorrow. Okay? I pick up the phone. I call. You can't make this stuff up. We are currently experiencing a higher volume of calls than normal. Yeah. <laughs> Please leave a message after the beep. There's no beep. <laughs> oh, must be too many people on the line. I hang up. I call back. We're experiencing a higher volume of call. We are open from 8 to 4. <laughs> it's 10 o'clock. <laughs> I can't solve this. <laughs> I'm calling the number they gave me. It becomes very frustrating. <laughs> and it's not until you can reach to that person within the organization that you can actually get this thing resolved because they keep sending you things. We're going to send it to collection and I'm going, so help me you send that to collection. <laughs> I'll see you in court <laughs> with all my papers. I'll bring them all in. <laughs> I paid, I paid, I paid. So you begin the process of trying to unravel this. And it's one of those things that becomes, it is, and I mean, it was so stupid. It was about $8.00. It was about $8. They were saying that the primary care person I'd gone to see that I had paid the copay for was actually a specialist. And maybe he is special. I felt that he was special after getting locked into this, but he was no specialist. And I could not get it resolved despite going to many different offices, despite calling every phone number, and that can become extremely frustrating. And that was about $8. That's why one of the things that knowing that Jesus not only died but rose again for our justification, the thing that gives me proof that I have life eternal is the fact that my Savior is risen. The fact that I can come into the presence, the very presence of God that before would have killed me because no man can stand in the presence of a holy God. To know 
that I can approach the throne of grace with boldness because Jesus not only died, but rose again. That that peace of assurance that he gives me in my heart, that when I am following him, that when I've asked Jesus into my heart, that assurance that I have internally, knowing that no matter what, I am his. And I think the thing that means the most to me is that I no longer have that debt hanging over me. Don't get me wrong. The enemy will tell you, and the enemy will tell you he's going to collections, and he will call, and he will send letters, and he will come to you in the middle of the night and go, you're a horrible person. And that is why I can turn around and go, Satan, get thee behind me. Because when it all comes down to it, it is not in my righteousness that I stand for my righteousness is as filthy rags. I stand covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, knowing and confident that He paid the price once and for all. And you do not get to come and tell me again and again, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that becomes the thing that cures anxiety. That becomes the thing that allows you to go, no matter what I face, no matter how difficult my life can get, no matter how many times somebody comes and says something horrible to me, I could still go and I could turn to the Lord and say, Lord God, I may not be able to stand in my strength, but I don't have to stand in my strength. I stand under the authority and the power of you, Lord. I stand covered by your blood with the price being paid once and for all. No more payments. No more of the enemy being able to say you owe interest or you owe this now. No, it's none of that. And that is why we can have life and joy in abundance. And that's why it is better to be a Christian because the thing that everybody has right now in society is anxiety. It is the worst thing. People have so much anxiety, so much fear. That was the one thing that I was very concerned about. Come, was it Monday or Tuesday when the attacks in Brussels happened? Because the very first thing that I did when I turned on the television and saw it was immediately change the station so that the first person up after me, Maria, wouldn't come in and click on because I knew that if that's what my 11-year-old daughter sees, that right away she's going to go, Oh, what does this mean? Because that, and you noticed it that day when you people heard about it, there was anxiety that suddenly came up. You'd be in the grocery store and people were going, what does this mean? Does this mean there's another attack imminent? Because everything in society will get you to fear. Everything in society will have that thing. It's that idea that we don't control our circumstances. That sometimes we can feel like we're tossed to and fro. But I am thankful that no matter what, that is not my inheritance. The world will give you fear. The world will give you anxiety. The Lord gives you peace and life. It is the Lord in His strength and His power. When David, the little shepherd boy, knocked out the giant Goliath, the guy who was nine feet tall, clothed in armor, a warrior... And little David, a boy, coming with only a sling. David runs over to the giant after he is felled by the stone by the power of God. David runs over and uses the giant's sword to cut off Goliath's head. And that is exactly 
what we get with the justification of Christ that no longer can sin's power have a hold on me. No longer am I bound by that other. I am set free. In fact, the very things that the enemy would use to harm me, God turns around and uses to bless me. That the very things meant to kill me, God turns those into life for me. And that is awesome because that is what it's like serving an all-powerful God. One that cares so much about us. And Easter gives us the celebration of life eternal. Romans 8.11 says, But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Romans 6, verse 1 through 10 says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that the grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. That's important, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. No death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. And that is absolutely awesome. We tend to, I find, especially around death, when someone that we love has died. We tend to become very contemplative. You don't find the funeral homes or places that you go for a big party. It tends to be a very sobering thing. But Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Pilgrim's Progress tends to be the one that I come back to because that is the one where as the man approaches Calvary bearing the heavy burden that he comes and then as he bows before Calvary the burden rolls off his back. That burden does not stay there weighing him down. That burden rolls away. And it rolls down to the bottom of the hill. He does not run back down to pick it up. He does not run down and say, oh, yes, I like carrying heavy weights. Rather, he leaves the burden behind and lives a life that is free from that. And that tends to be the most important part about Easter, is that when you've died once to Christ, once with Christ, you've died for all time to sin. You have life and life eternal. That is why when I go and I'm with people who have lost a loved one who knew Jesus, 
they've only lost the loved one from their day-to-day experience on earth, that their loved one, as with that thief on the cross, when he turned to Jesus and said, Jesus, remember me when you go into your kingdom. And what did Jesus say? He didn't say, oh, well, I'll think about it. He said, you will be with me this day in paradise. And that is exactly what happens when our mortal body stops functioning. Our spirit does not go to the ground. We do not lay in the ground. Our old carcass is laid aside and we are that very moment in the presence of God Almighty. And that is life and life eternal. No longer with the pain, no longer with the suffering, no longer with the sin and a sin-soaked world. But rather the presence of the very Almighty God and life eternal. And that's what Easter's all about. And look at that, it's 11 o'clock and that means I did it. We got all the way through Easter and it's a happy day because everybody goes, thank God the preacher didn't go long. See, you live for life with God eternally. You don't live with me and an eternal servant. <laughs> but there is the other side. You see, you can't run off without this because it is perhaps it's best described by this. <laughs> that pen does not become my pen. Sorry about that. <laughs> that marker, <laughs> I love to correct it. Never let it be said, but I can't take correction. <laughs> that marker is not mine. That marker has no relation to me whatsoever right now, other than likely everyone who knows me knows that if I forget that it's there and I go walking, it'll have a profound impact on my ability to stay upright, and I will probably end up looking like I'm in a Charlie Chaplin movie. But it's this way with salvation, too. The one thing with the gift that Jesus gives of eternal life is that it does not become yours until you choose to receive it. One of the things that is most frustrating for my family is that I have been known at Christmas time or at any other time when there's things involved like cards or gifts, I will hold them until the last possible moment. Which the kids find terribly annoying at Christmas because Dad will just sit with the, the but it's, I know that I don't get very many gifts, so the three that are right there I'm going to keep because they have to really last and I have to enjoy opening. I can't rip it open and go for the next one, so I savor it. But you see, it's not a gift until you've opened it and unwrapped it and received it. It is the potential of a gift, but it is not yet a received gift. And it's this way with the marker. Now I have the marker. It actually took an act of my will to reach down and pick it up. And here's where it's extremely complicated for all those of you not familiar with church. It's that way with the salvation from Jesus. It is not until you choose to receive it. And it's as simple as what I just did in picking up that pen. It does not involve long and complicated prayers. It simply involves reaching out and accepting it. And it tends to go like this. Lord, I need you to be my Lord and Savior. That's it. That's an amazing thing. 
but it has a profound impact on your life. And it makes all the difference in the world. And it is only when you can talk to another Christian who has done that that can truly tell you it is a world-changing event in my life. Why does the Lord make it so easy? I have absolutely no idea. We often think that it needs to be much more complicated than it is. But that isn't it. It is simply reaching out and accepting His gift and making it yours. And that's the difference between a life lived for you and a life set free for life abundantly in Jesus. So, we all at some point will make that decision to either accept Christ or to not. My only other caution in this is, as I can tell you from prophecy, that every single one of you will at some point bow your knee and declare Jesus is Lord. It is your choice whether you choose to do it today or if you choose to do it at the end of all things when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That cross is empty because He paid the price for you and for me. That's what Easter's all about. It can be extremely sobering, which is why I didn't rush by it, because I want you to know, today is that day. Because what are you going to wait for? Is there a better time? Perhaps you know something that I don't, that you are impervious to the things of life, that upon walking out of here, you won't have a heart attack, or you won't suddenly have something happen to you where you find yourself suddenly standing in eternity going, why in the world didn't I? I can tell you, it's a decision I made that I am most thankful that I did. It has profoundly changed my life. God is my best friend. To walk and talk with Him is a joy like no other. And that's what I wanted to share with you today. Let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, as we bow our hearts and our heads right here, Lord, each one here will have to make that decision. Lord, I ask that you would give them faith today to be able to make that decision today for you. Lord, not that it would be a thing where it's not understood, but Lord, that it would be a choice for life over death. Lord, I am thankful for everything you've done for me. I am thankful for each one that you brought here to celebrate Easter with us. Lord, I just ask very simply, make it apparent to each one of us how much you love us. For Lord, when we know how much you love us, it is not a hard choice at all to ask you to be our Lord and Savior. Father, as we leave this place, we ask that we would go with your blessing that you would walk with us and talk with us a long life's narrow way and let this be a life-changing day in all of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 If you did decide to make that decision, please stop, let myself, Bob, any of the people know. It's not something to be ashamed of, so I'm not going to put pressure on. And uh, this is the other part that I love. There is actually sweet things in that room out there, which means that we have food, cake, all sorts of little treats to have. And so, the kids follow me. And the kids follow me. <laughs>
Donovan, you started it. 